the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquart. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquart here on 930 AM The Answer, Apple Podcasts, and TalkLawRadio.com. Today, our guest is Diana Nelson Pedraza, a realtor with REMAX North San Antonio. Diana is going to be giving us some tips on negotiating real estate and she'll be updating us on the residential real estate market. Call us during the show if you have a real estate question at 210-308-8867, or post your comment on our Facebook page. Or you can email your question to host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at TalkLawRadio.com, and I will read your question on the air. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only. Our sponsor today is Marquardt Law Firm. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. New businesses and old businesses that might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in district court, county court, and probate court. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us of our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, or failing to do your will. Please help me and Diana give good information to the listeners about real estate today. Help us to use the gifts and talents that you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today we're talking with Diana Nelson Pedraza, a realtor. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where did you grow up? I grew up in San Antonio. I've been in and around the area for my entire life. A long time. A long time. <laughs> long time. Uh, you're doing real estate now. Um, what did you do before this? Well, I've been doing real estate for seven years. And before that, we managed a hunting ranch out in Bandera, Texas, um, where I worked with the whitetail uh, deer breeding and also worked with an equine veterinarian, so okay. with horses. And uh, we were there for about nine and a half years. Pretty you, incredible experience. You saw some pretty big deer, I guess. Oh, yes, yes. Very, very uh, handsome 200 class. Oh, wow. Yes. And before that, I had my own dog grooming business in Bernie. And, and what was that like? That was, uh, I felt like I really brought a lot to the animals because I... I specialized in 
um, dogs that couldn't go anywhere else, that mm-hmm. just had extreme anxieties. Um, but they still needed to be groomed. Yeah, we have one like that. Lexi, the law dog, does not like to be groomed. And uh, we took her to one of the chain places, mm. and they said all we could do was give her a bath. And so we did find a place kind of like yours uh, where they said uh, it may take a long time, but Mm -hmm. we'll be able to do it. So I didn't know that that was a specialty until I met Lexi. I don't think it's for everybody. I just think that I was blessed with the talent to communicate with dogs and Mm -hmm. relax them because people would would call and ask if if I was at my shop because there wasn't any barking. Oh, I was like, well, they don't bark at my shop. (laughs) <laughs> I have 12 dogs in the shop. No wow, one's barking. That's awesome. Like, it was a gift. Um, and so what was interesting to you about real estate? People. Okay. So it's not the real estate. It's the it's people. It's not the, it, well, you travel so many journeys with people mm-hmm. because I do this on a daily basis. Most people don't um, buy and sell houses. Right. On a daily basis. Right. It's it's once once in their life maybe. maybe. I've met some people they lived in the same house their whole life and in some it's once every few years. So I ha- there's a there's a joke with clients that uh when they tell me they want to buy their forever home that is 7 years. <laughs> the forever home is now 7 years because okay. you go into it with the intention that you're going to be there forever and you're never going to move. Mhm. And then seven years pass, and your life changes, and forever looks different now. Yeah, that's right. Things change. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your office, uh, REMAX North San Antonio. So REMAX North San Antonio is Houston, uh, Hausman and 1604, and it is a top-producing REMAX brokerage in San Antonio Um it's like a family. There's uh, how long have they been running that office? I believe it's twenty-two years. Oh, okay. So we're not the new kid on the block. Yeah, and so what makes it top producing is that number of the houses. agents. We have. Uh, I know for the last two years we have the highest sales. The highest producing commissions. Um, Okay. Well, those are some benchmarks that mm -hmm. let people know that you've been doing it a long time. I want to remind everybody uh, that you can call with your questions, 210-308-8867, or post a comment on Facebook, or email me anytime, even if it's right now during the show. Email to host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. Been talking to our guest, Diana Nelson-Pedraza, about her experience in real estate. Uh, I'm going to ask her about some statistics, and then after the break, we'll get into some tips for negotiating a, a sale or purchase of real estate. Okay, so what's going on in the market in San Antonio right now? So right now we're looking at a, the um, the median price point of about $348,000. Um, average price is about four hundred, which is 18% up over last year at this time. Um, the total sales is down about 9% uh, at 3674 You think that's due to the rising interest rates? I do. I do. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I think everybody's in just a, an odd place right now because nobody knows what's coming next week. Mm-hmm. And and that the fear of the unknown, you know, causes uncertainty. Right. And, and our real estate market is driven by emotion. But and if you need a house. Yeah, everybody's got to have a place to live. Yeah. Um, the average rent is 1850 I, I hear a lot of people saying, well, my son is renting a place over there, and that's uh, about the same as my mortgage. Mm-hmm. 
It is. The difference is is that with rent, it's 100% interest. You mm-hmm. get nothing back. Right. So if you take that 1850 and put it into a mortgage, for one, your rent doesn't go up. And two, That's you're right. gaining equity. You can lock in the, the mortgage. Uh, before we take a break, I wanted to ask you about a quote. What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote is definitely, don't paint yourself in a corner. I'm going to talk about her quote after we come back from the break because I wanted to find out how somebody might explain that. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. could be a nightmare for your family, which is why it's important to meet with an attorney before you go on vacation. Get your affairs in order just in case, God forbid, tragedy strikes and you become disabled or worse happens while traveling. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trust, and tax-protected inheritance plans. A living trust might save your family thousands of dollars. Protect what's yours at Marquardt Law Firm, 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Diana Nelson Pedraza, a realtor with Remax North San Antonio. And we're talking about the real estate market. And we're also going to be talking about some strategies for negotiating when you're selling or buying real estate. Before the break, Diana said that her favorite quote was Don't paint yourself in a corner. So I, I looked that up to to find out what that really means. And um looking at my notes, but I can't really find it. So I'll have to get back to you on that one. Um, it's an interesting quote. Tell us why you like it. So I like it because it it helps to set expectations with buyers and sellers because we all get under the impression that we think we know exactly what we're willing to do and what we're willing not to do. But when you're in a position where you may have to negotiate, it's really hard to draw your hard lines if you don't know what the competition is or the results of drawing those hard lines. Mm -hmm. So to me, when you say you absolutely won't do this and you absolutely won't do that, you're basically putting yourself in a corner that you may not be able to get out of. So dictionary.com explains this to mean to get oneself into difficulty from which one can't extricate oneself. So, for example, this is dictionary.com. By volunteering to do more work in the office and then taking a freelance job, George has painted himself into a corner. This idiom uses the graphic image of painting all of the floor except for the corner one stands in, so that one cannot leave without stepping on wet paint. Mm -hmm. For you, it's all about managing expectations. Right. Um, it, It happens to buyers and to sellers. I caution with sellers not to paint themselves into a corner because they do like to tell me what type of financing they don't want, repairs they won't do, you know, they just, they, they take that hard stance and you, you just have to be educated in your options and not make those decisions until the appropriate time. Yeah. Well, one negotiating strategy that my dad always told me was you have to be able to walk away. Right. And knowing when to walk away. Okay. So before we start talking about specific strategies, will you tell us about one of your experiences uh, when when you hired a realtor? I did. I, I hired a realtor this year. Um, we were purchasing a second home, and I only had two weeks to find it. We were looking in another market, and my husband's like, well, you can be the realtor because you can 
practice real estate anywhere in Texas. Mm -hmm. But I don't know the market. And why would I want somebody to hire me as their agent in San Antonio and not hire an agent in another market? Because this was my money and this was my transaction. So I found an agent down in Rockport and she represented me. And even though I knew certain things about negotiating, I didn't know their market. Mm -hmm. And if I would have approached that purchase with the same market style that is here in San Antonio, I would have probably lost about $40,000, which is a lot of money. Yeah. And it's my money. Right. So. And so even though you had to pay a realtor, you still came out ahead. Oh, I did. I did. And the way we negotiated it, it absorbed her commission. Mm-hmm. What are some things that um, you learned through that transaction that you'll probably uh, be using to help your clients in the future? Well, I was reminded that, uh, you know, education is expensive and... It, the agent that you hire is so important because they represent you. Um, they, were, they represent your interest. They are the emotional barrier because on the side of the transaction where the buyer or the seller is, there's emotion. You're yeah. living this. this if you're a, a buyer, you want that property. Yes. <laughs> and what your yeah. agent does is it takes, they take the emotion out of it and they say – with professional detachment, this is what my buyer would like. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not charged with emotion. Like if my buyer doesn't get this, you know, she's just going to have, have a meltdown. Mm-hmm. It's, it's creating that wall of, of emotional detachment. Um, Same thing on the seller side. Yes. I, I, I see a lot of sellers that, they determine what the price is that they'll sell by the amount of money that they need, mm-hmm. which is not really what the market might pay for that. And we ex- we try to explain that to them. But it's always nice to know what they would like. Mm-hmm. And then we professionally set the expectations. So this is most likely what you're going to be able to get. But, you know, cash can buy anything. So sometimes if they're not too far off, you can go high because mm-hmm. cash just might walk in. But if you have to deal with financing, then you have to consider the market and what it supports. Yeah, the last house that I sold, um, the buyer was able to finance 100%. Mm-hmm. And the offer that they made was actually above the appraisal, mm-hmm. but because he was going to finance a hundred percent, the bank's not going to pay above what mm-hmm. the appraisal is. And right. so basically I lost a few thousand dollars because of that, because I, I wanted to close the transaction. Um, but there's not, not everybody can, can finance a hundred percent. He just happened to be a physician and a lot of banks will bend over backwards mm-hmm. for physicians. I just did a transaction like that, and I had done one before. Um, so I knew the the risk involved mm-hmm. and was able to pass this the, this information on to my sellers because we do this. This is what we do. We see things. We right. learn things with every transaction. And we share that with our sellers. It's still their choice whether they want to choose that or not. Right. We just present the information. When someone says, you know, what would you do? It's, it's not my money. It's not right. my house. Right. Yeah. I, I, you don't want to let them put that decision on you because then when they're upset, then they say, it, this is what fault. you told me to do. <laughs> okay. Well, let me take just a break to remind everybody that this is Talk Law Radio where I help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. And today it's all about real estate and negotiating tips, also updates on the market. So, Diana, I just want to ask your opinion on how you feel 
the market is right now. Is it as hot as it was a few months ago? Are you seeing uh, multiple offers uh, over the asking price like like it was a few months ago? So the market is definitely shifting right now. Um, There is a lot of uncertainty, which is causing the homes to be on the market longer. And I always refer to that as a marination process. Okay. Because the longer a house is on the market, last year, if a market was not, if a house was not under contract like the first day or have offers, it's like, what's wrong with it? Right. (laughs) Now it's, you know, it could take 10 days to get a house under contract. And multiple offers might only be two. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that is a big change. Do you think it's coming from the rising interest rates? I think it's coming from the the rising interest rates, but interest rates are not necessarily at this 5.5%, you know, just under 6. It's not necessarily something to be terrified from because you can always refinance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the nice thing is the market is starting to shift into a healthier place. Last year, it was a very unhealthy market with the sellers having all the control. Mm-hmm. Now the buyers are kind of like, you know what? I kind of like that house, but I'm not going to not going to pay I'm too not, much. I'm not going to go nuts over it. Yeah. I think people are are being a little bit more cautious, which is good. Um I think the sellers are being humbled a bit, which needed to happen. And it's becoming more of a negotiation now. The sellers are starting to contribute to title policies and you know a little bit more flexible on repairs and okay so those are some of the things that go into a negotiation besides price would be paying some of the closing costs right making some of the repairs and i get a lot of sellers that cross their arms and huff and say why should i have to pay their closing cost Mm -hmm. well because right now cash is kind of hard to come by so if somebody has the means to pay a down payment, they can't always they can't always cover all their closing costs. And people get confused over what's closing costs and what's a down payment. Well, the closing costs are all the costs to generate a loan to pay the rest of the house. Right. And that can be about 6%. And not everyone has that plus the down payment. Yeah, I remember way back when i bought my first house nobody had explained that to me mm-hmm. so i had to find extra money <laughs> and you know some markets are conducive to that and and that again an agent will explain your options um and it feels good when you negotiate a contract for a buyer where they can get into a home Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, there's certain costs that are being absorbed in it. But you represent sellers, too. I do. I do both. And I think uh, that benefits me in seeing the other side. So when you're negotiating on the seller side, you want to help them get the most, right? I do. But I also want to set expectations up front. So when I meet them at a listing appointment, and we go over the values of the house. Um, I usually try and put together a net sheet. And I tell them that the net sheet that I put together is if I were representing a buyer and purchasing your house. This is what it would look like. But that doesn't mean that's where we start. But I would rather set the expectations for the seller that you may have to give a little because we have information on the neighborhood where closing costs are recorded. Okay. So we kind of know that if you're in a $300,000 neighborhood, it's pretty typical for the seller to contribute 2500 Well, I can set that expectation. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen, but at least you're prepared for it. You're still going to try and get that seller yes. everything you can. Absolutely. And we can always come down. We can't go back up. Right, right. 
Well, we're about to take another break. When we come back, we'll be talking about 10 negotiating tips, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. I want to remind you that this is Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquart, here talking about your hidden legal issue blind spots, namely real estate negotiating, today here on the radio. And so if you have a question, feel free to post it on our Facebook live stream or email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S as in Sam, T as in Timothy at talklawradio.com. And I'll read your question on the air. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And we'll be on podcasts everywhere, including Apple Podcasts and TalkLawRadio.com, where you can search for other episodes uh, regarding all kinds of different areas of practice, including real estate and estate planning, trusts, patent and trademark law, uh, immigration, you name it. I like to bring on another attorney sometimes who will talk about their focus, which might not be my focus. I also like to bring on pastors to talk about what the gospel says about a particular area of law. But today we're talking with Diana Nelson Pedraza about real estate. She gave us a market update, and now we're going to talk about her top 10 negotiating tips. What's number one? Um, how property is priced. Okay, that so. That is huge. Um, that might be an appraisal. Well, to start the, the ball rolling, you've got to put a price on it. Mm-hmm. And, okay. And before really. You, before you even get the appraisal, you just have to pick a number. To list. To list the house. You've and got so. to come up with a number. And, and you get with a, your agent. You do your research. You, We give you a a market analysis and and kind of give you a a reference point but you still pick the number and some people get a little excited because they think their house is worth this because you know it was estimates they see those right it's not always most the most reliable source um but you have to pick your price and your price absolutely will dictate how fast it's going to move because in the end, something is worth only what someone is willing and capable of paying. Right. That's what the IRS defines fair market value as, what a willing buyer will pay a willing seller given the same information. So when you, when you price your property, um, it does set the tone for how fast it's going to move. Uh, some some people approach it as you set it low. The market will correct the value, and it will raise it to what somebody oh, okay. is willing and capable so of paying. So if you have multiple buyers, then it's going to rise up. Okay. Somebody's going to pay what they want for it. Right. Um, the next tip is the motivation of both buyers and sellers. Sometimes it's money. Well, some people <clears throat> they want that house because of the pool. They want ha- that house because they got stuck in an apartment. During quarantine, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they don't ever want to be trapped that way again. Right. So they want a house for every – a room for every child, a spare room for their office. They want a pool in the backyard. That's the motivation of the buyer. Sounds good to me. But if you have <laughs> that house, you know, do you really want to sell it? Well, you'll sell it for the right price. Mm-hmm. So it's that, you know, the motivation of both parties. Right. The seller might be motivated – to wait a long time to try and get the most money, mm-hmm. or if they need the money right now, they There's might the take less. Yes. Okay. Um, What's so next? The next one is uh, days on the market, and I call this the marination process. 
Just like a steak. It's just like a steak. So what happens is the seller is tenderized by this process. <laughs> <laughs> if they have a hard line to begin with. Yeah. So I, if I have a buyer that's like, well, I like that house, but I'm not going to pay that much for it. Mm-hmm. Well, then don't and wait. Mm-hmm. If it's still on the market in three weeks, well, chances are you're going to be able to come in a little less. Um, maybe negotiate some closing cost, but it's hard to do that on the first day of the market. Right. You have to wait. Time tenderizes. Yes. Because <laughs> if you're a listing agent, you're not going to tell your seller, well, yeah, drop, take that offer $10,000 less. Mm-hmm. And that would be your perspective if you were representing that seller. Correct. Yes. Give them some time. Maybe the buyer really wants it. Mm-hmm. And after some time, their their desire for the property will also grow. And it goes back to the motivation of both the buyer and the seller. Mm-hmm. Who is who's more motivated? Right. So I always tell people the first 10 days, don't panic. You On know, both sides. On both sides. Like if you see a house and you really want it, but you don't want to pay that much for it, well, then just hold on. If it's gone, it's gone. You want? Are you willing to risk that? Yeah. And set that expectation that, if you want it that bad, you may have to pay that. Well, I've seen it before where a buyer that pays too much for their house, they can never leave. They don't have discretionary spending. They mm-hmm. just have to stay home and they can't go to concerts or yeah, cookouts. They're house poor. <laughs> they're right. house poor. Um, the next thing to know would be what do you have to lose? And again, it goes back to that motivation. Whether you're negotiating repairs on the buyer side or the seller side, um, what do you have to lose? I mean, I get told no all the time, and it has not killed me yet. So I swing for the fences with my buyers and asking for repairs. Um, You start with, well, this is what the inspector says is wrong, so you need to repair the whole list. Well, why not? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask. Right. And, you know, the listing agent goes back and talks to the seller. Depending on their counsel, um, they come back and they're either, <laughs> they're not doing anything or, well, we'll do half of it or we'll give you a concession for it. Um, you know, and then the negotiating process starts. But if you don't swing for the fences, you're never going to hit a home run. That's right. So I do when I'm representing buyers, I do try for for the for the big one. You said that you've been told no a lot. Well, <laughs> the the statistic for Babe Ruth is that he also had the most strikeouts. Yeah, because yeah. he was swinging for the fences. <laughs> right. Um, okay, before you hit that number five, mm-hmm. I wanted to remind everybody: this is Talk Law Radio. We're discussing the hidden legal issue blind spot of real estate. Now, even if you've bought or sold real estate in the past, we all know that the markets change, the mortgage rates change, and people change. And so it might be a good idea to hire a realtor. And so we've been talking about 10 negotiating tips with Diana Nelson Pedraza with REMAX North San Antonio. Okay, let's continue. Number five. So number five is you have to know where your deal breakers are. And that's basically, I caution against the painting in the corner, but I still need to know, really, what will you not do? Um, For sellers, sometimes it's a net. I have to get this. Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as, you know, you need to walk away with 300,000 and our net right now is 310, well, that gives me $10,000 to negotiate with. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, as for buyers, when we get that inspection report and they go over it, it's like, where is the deal breaker? Like if they refuse to budge on this issue, are you going to terminate? So you have to know that before we go in to it. Right. And then we, we, you know, we don't say absolutely, but it gives me a line to kind of get up next to. Right. And I try and negotiate within that. Right. Okay. What's number six? So I think that it's very important for an agent to be able to read another agent. You have to know who you're going to be working with. 
um, because our job is to get the transaction done. Where did you learn this skill? Hmm. <laughs> hard, hard to pinpoint. I played because chess with my brother with my brother when I was growing up. Oh, okay. That's, that's what it was. You have to know your you have to know your opponent. You know. I like that. And I I hate looking at agents as opponents, but they are the ones I'm negotiating with. So I do, you know, I talk to them, um, and depending on how tight the negotiating is, I'll research them. What's their production? Wow. How often do they give seller concessions? Mm -hmm. How often do they do price reductions? Because it gives me fuel to negotiate. Okay. So I think this is a good time to talk about your duty as the the realtor. Uh, Tell us about that. So we have a fiduciary duty to our client, and that is that the client's interest comes before ours. And everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have a car payment, that doesn't mean somebody has to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, at no time do you have to buy a house. Like if you start to feel uncomfortable and you're not under contract, you should not be forced to jump into something if it doesn't if it doesn't work for you. Right. But for there the- are people that feel like they have to buy it because they've been looking for six months. And, you know, the agent isn't going to get paid. Well, fiduciary duty means best interest, right? right? And so if you feel like that it's not going to be in their best interest, then you give them some more advice. Mm-hmm. I told uh, one client that they were apologizing because we had looked at, like, uh, five houses. And, and they were like, we hate to be wasting your time. And I told them, my house payment is not contingent on you buying a house. And if it ever gets to that point, I'll go to work for HEB, someplace like that. It's I'm never going to put a client in that corner. Awesome. Love it. You've been here with us on Talk Law Radio. We're going to take one more break. And when we come back, we'll finish our top 10 list of negotiating tips. So stay tuned. could be a nightmare for your family, which is why it's important to meet with an attorney before you go on vacation. Get your affairs in order just in case, God forbid, tragedy strikes and you become disabled or worse happens while traveling. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trust, and tax-protected inheritance plans. A living trust might save your family thousands of dollars. Protect what's yours at Marquardt Law Firm, 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Diana Nelson Pedraza, realtor with Remax North San Antonio. We've been talking about her top 10 list of negotiating tips. So let's continue. Uh, what number are we on now? We are on number seven. Okay. And uh, I put uh, cash is not always king because I think that's a myth. Um, And the reason I say that is when I am representing a seller and they're like, oh, I want a cash offer, you know, because it's just so simple. But I have found that cash buyers tend to be the flakiest and they like to change their mind at the last minute, even if it means they lose their earnest money. Mm -hmm. But when you have, you know, $300,000 in the bank to buy this house, $3,000 is not going to hurt that much Mm -hmm. if you lose it. Um, So I try and caution against that. And most agents will agree with me that a strong conventional with a big down payment is is a solid way to go. Because then you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. Um, Most of the time, something just went out. Oh, well, I can still hear you. Okay, I can't. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Oh, well, c- just continue. 
Number seven, so, cash is not Yeah, it's not always is king. Strong conventional with a big down payment is probably the preferred route because the the buyer is going to be committed. They're going to have more skin in the game because they've got to pay for the process. Okay. How about number eight? Um, how to make finance terms appealing. Uh, some buyers are in a position where they have to use FHA or VA because it's what fits their finances the best. But there is a pecking order that has been in place for a long time. Cash still ends up on top. Uh, then conventional FHA, VA, and USDA tend to be the pecking order. So if you have a buyer that is a VA buyer, um, you have to figure out how to present your client to where they're the most appealing. Mm-hmm. And it is possible for a VA buyer to be out a conventional buyer. How? Well, you talk to the other agent. You make sure that your loan officer is on top of things. Um, so, you know, those, those are ways to dress up your financed terms. Okay. Well, that's important to have all those factors in mind. And so how about number nine? Number nine is how to leverage the need for repairs. Um, when you're negotiating a home that... I, well, let me back up a little. Um, I always caution my buyers that sellers don't have to do anything. They don't have to make any repairs. Mm-hmm. Strongly encouraged at times, but not. they don't have to. They can say no. So convincing the other agent that these repairs are absolutely required now, they should know they're not required, yeah. <laughs> but they're strongly encouraged. So it's kind of like, how do, you, how do you drive the other agent to get to the seller to benefit your buyer? Okay. Well, that's important to know. How about the last one, number 10? And for the sellers, it's kind of the flip side of what number nine was. You have to, you have to let your sellers know when, it, when it's time to say you, you need this done. Okay. And so do you have an example of that? So an example of that is when you have a seller that is just being unreasonable. Um, I often encourage a concession because you don't want to put your seller in a position to where they have to take responsibility for the repairs that are being done. It's better to just say, hey, look, I'll give you $2,500 and y'all do this after closing. Yeah. Because that way, I mean, who do you want making the repair? Somebody who's leaving the house or somebody who's moving into the house? Well, if it's like flooring, you know, the buyer could choose their preferred Try not to do cosmetic repairs because you're buying the house as is. Okay. And that is stipulated in in the contract is that you're buying the house as is. So that the things that are negotiated are negotiated with items that are brought up from the repair, I mean, the inspection. Like electrical or mm-hmm. plumbing. Right. And, yeah, I just had a, a house that has aluminum wiring. And instead of having the seller take responsibility for having the house rewired, he gave a concession. Well, I don't know about you, but I would much rather give a concession than have to manage the project right? and make sure it's done correctly. And you might be paying less with a concession. Mm-hmm. And it's something that the, the buyer doesn't even need to – they may not do it, but the concession has been made. Okay. Well, that's your top ten list. That's my top ten. Right? Good. Well, those are some really good tips on negotiating – Let's talk about um, failure to close. You mentioned that where maybe a cash buyer would uh, lose their earnest money. Mm-hmm. That's what attorneys would call liquidated damages. Um, what are some other examples of, of when somebody would just not close? So I had a transaction a couple of years ago that 
the, the buyer has to release the earnest money. There's a form. Mm-hmm. The buyer has to release the earnest money if they have no way out, but they can't close. And he didn't want to. Buyer wouldn't sign. So the seller, his only option were, was to go through small claims court. And, you know, so we ended up negotiating half of it because he didn't want to go through small claims court. And from what I've learned, um, contracts only have teeth in a court of law. Right. That's where you enforce the promises. Yes. So, and I do, I set that expectation for my clients that a contract is only enforceable in a court of law. But you may not want to do that. Right. Um, a friend of mine says you might beat the rap, but you won't beat the ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where uh, if you get pulled over by the police and, and you enforce your rights to not be interrogated or whatever, well, the officer might get upset enough that they just say, okay, well, I'll take you downtown and you can explain it to the judge. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that, though. Well, um, since this is the fourth segment, most of our guests know what that means. And now, it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. Because Marquardt Law Firm sponsors the show, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, We like to talk about legacy because that's the underlying desire when when creating these plans. So I wanted to ask you about that question of legacy. Um, What would you say um, you've learned throughout life that um, makes legacy important to you? Well, because I have children, there is a legacy that I would like to pass on. And so what about legacy um, have you learned? Planning is important. It's kind of like planning in the, in the real estate business, or you probably encourage your buyers and sellers to, to think through certain mm-hmm. things, that managing all the expectations. I, I sort of think planning a will or a trust is the same well same way you have to manage what you think could happen or might happen or will happen and you can do that with different terminology in the trust and I also think that for a lot of people the house is a big part of their legacy mm-hmm. it's uh, expensive and so passing on that value to the beneficiaries is important and you don't want unintended consequences to happen. You want to control it as much as you can so that it gets to the right people in the right way. Mm-hmm. So um, in addition to residential real estate, um, branches and, and second homes, that also comes up as part of a person's legacy. When, when dealing with a ranch or a second home, um, it, it just reminded me that maybe the, the selling or the buying process might be a little bit different. Well, I can speak to the side of when there are, when there's property passed down mm-hmm. and it needs to be separated between, um, family members mm-hmm. and having to corral everybody and get them on the same page is, uh, it's a process. It's, so when they're selling, you mean? Mm-hmm. Like they've inherited a home. Nobody wants to occupy the home. Right. So they're going to liquidate it. And let's say there's four kids. You have to have the negotiations between all of them because they all have a say in it. Right. So you go from negotiating with a husband and wife or an individual mm-hmm. to trying to get four people to agree on a concession or a repair or a list price. Right. Yeah, I, I point that out to clients all the time that are they going to be good business partners mm-hmm. because it, 
even if it's just that one transaction, that's what they are. And they're going to have to agree to selling as is or fixing it up, mm -hmm. the price, like you said, and then the the realtor. Right. Well, all four people probably know one realtor. Yeah. I'm sure that all, everybody knows about 10 realtors. <laughs> it's picking the right one. It really is. Yeah, and you want to make sure that those family relationships are okay after mm -hmm. the process is over as well. So as an alternative, sometimes I'll, I'll suggest that the executor or the trustee be the decision maker mm -hmm. in that process. That makes it very, very easy to work with. Makes it easy for the process to get closed. And then you put the burden of negotiating on that one person to, to make things right with all the rest, but you only have to have one signature. Mm-hmm. And when choosing an executor, it's important to make sure you've got someone who can make decisions. Good advice. Yes. Thank you for being on the show. It's my pleasure. You've heard it here on Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Markport. I'll talk to you later. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.